Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave, as the announcer guy just pointed out to you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcast and leave us a review, maybe five stars. I'll take three stars today. It's been that kind of year, people. And speaking of that kind of year, don't you need a therapist to get you through tough times like this? Well, we've got a licensed clinical psychologist on the line today, and her name is Dr. Emily Gordon. And welcome to the virtual studio, Emily. Thank you. Great to be here. And how is everything going? You want the real answer to yeah, that? The- <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all relative in this year, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. I think the the automatic response is things are fine or things are good because yeah. that's what I think we're all programmed to do. But but I'm going to give you the real answer, which is what I try to do. Yeah, I think things are hard. Yeah, <laughs> certainly are some silver linings. There are some things that we can find to celebrate. But in general, I think this is a really challenging time for uh, everybody. There's no question. By the way, Dr. Emily Gordon, you can find more on her at dremilygordon.com. That's just DR. So dremilygordon.com is where you find more about her practice. And we're going to get, get into some of the things that she does and undoubtedly been busy during the pandemic because we all have issues that we didn't even realize we had until the pandemic exposed them. To get things started, though, we're going to play a quick round of burning questions with Emily where we pepper her with questions. She's completely unprepared for these. She looks a little bit scared, but I told her she's going to just fine so let's play burning questions just one more thing i have a riddle for you answer the question all right in no particular order of importance in recent events have had me watching the news more so than i normally would i don't know if you are the same but tell me where do you get your news from typically Well, that's a really good question because I myself can never decide if the news is something I should be doing or something that's good for me or that I want to be doing or whether I should just avoid the news. So I get my news. I watch TV to get my news. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of information coming at me over the internet, in my email, electronically. I'm doing all my sessions virtually. So for me, reading the news is is not how I want to get my news. So Mm -hmm. I've been listening to the TV. CNN person or network news or... Well, I've been a CNN person and increasingly I have tried to 
broaden my range of news. I can feel when I watch the news that it makes me stressed. Um, it <laughs> right. makes me anxious. It makes me angry. <laughs> it makes me worried. Sometimes it makes me hopeful. So I've been expanding to NPR, okay. to BBC, MSNBC. Every once in a while, I turn Fox on just to see what they have to say. So I do I, that too. I allow Fox News a rebuttal after I've watched ten minutes <laughs> of CNN. I allow Fo- I switch over to Fox for two minutes of rebuttal. But it's very interesting to see. First of all, it's no secret that Fox News has sort of broken from its usual pattern and kind of gone anti-Trump, to be blunt about it. And he's none too happy about it. But the but if you catch it in prime time, you hear a lot of voices that, in my opinion, are way out there. But I like to hear it because it exists and it's popular, yeah. you know. Well, and I think it's I think what's you know what I, I and I'm not really a social media person either, although I guess, to be honest, I do get some of my news on social media. But what I started to notice in my own feeds is somehow I've noticed that everything in my feed seems to really exemplify and even exaggerate what I know, what I believe myself, right? So some days I open my social media (laughs) feed and I say, wow, I'm really surrounded. Like all my friends really think the same thing that I do. And wow, don't I have great friends? Right. Um, And then other days I think to myself when I'm a little bit more critical or a little bit more skeptical, isn't that interesting? And maybe maybe that's not totally random, right? Maybe there's some sort of social media- Algorithm. Algorithm, right, that are behind that. And so I think what's important, right, because it's not just about news, but it's about how the news affects us psychologically. I think what's important is, um, and what's happening in our world, is all of us are sort of getting more polarized, more sort of entrenched in our own thinking and our own beliefs, and more isolated in that thinking. And so what I've actually really tried to do is to try to get more balanced perspective and to try to consider the other side. And you know what? Some days I just turn the news off and I've been reading a lot of books, oh, <laughs> really? reading a lot yeah. of fiction, because I just really want to get lost in a good story that, that is totally fictional. Yeah. And I think that's wise. There's i I'm searching for the name for it. And I, of course I can't find it, but there's a documentary on Netflix about called the social dilemma. That's it. Thank you. This is why I have my guests, the social dilemma, which kind of describes the phenomenon you were mentioning. And that is that if your newsfeed is just telling you all things you believe, Rather than being happy all the time, think about, well, why is that? And then why are they trying to sell me a, a box of Cheez-Its just because I was talking to, about to about Cheez-Its to a friend recently and somehow my Alexa heard me and tried to sell me some Cheez-Its or something like that. <laughs> it might not be that simple, but yeah. And I think you're dead on right when you say that we've become polarized. There's no secret. We're a, device, a, a divided country, but it's just it's not just so much that there's so many on the right and so many on the left. It's like the the middle's disappearing. There's no nuance. And once in a while, listen to the other side people, because even if you disagree with them, there's probably, there are million, we know there are millions and millions of people that disagree with you no matter which side you're on. So what we we really need to be doing, I think both for everybody's, for the good wellness of the country, but also for our own individual wellness is we need to be finding ways to work together, right? We need to be finding ways to have empathy and understanding and compassion for each other, not just for the people who are kind of are in our camps. Right. The other thing about that just I think is really important about news and where do you get your news and I, I think right now we all need ways to feel more 
in control or I guess in control mm. of our own lives. And, and so I think making decisions about what kind of news we get and where we get our news and if we're even going to get the news or if we're going to participate in social media, I think those things are really important because I think we just all feel like there are so many things we can't control. Absolutely. I'm doing a poor job of this rapid, this, uh, burning questions yeah. segment because these are supposed to be rapid fire and you hijacked the first question, Dr. Gordon, I will never forgive you. I'm kidding. I was complicit. Well, my, my family likes to tease me that, that I never answer questions. I just reflect questions back. So. <laughs> okay. That's, um, so you're a good, I, I guess. That's uh, <laughs> what you do. You're a psychologist. We know that. Okay. So I'll give you a, a simpler one. What's been your go-to pandemic snack when you have a craving for something? What do you snack on? I enjoy chocolate-covered almonds. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? I have a mix. I I like both. (laughs) Can't even answer that question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you work with teenagers. In a word or two, if possible, how would you describe the difference between teenagers when, and I think you and I are, are roughly the same generation. I'm probably older. I'm older than everybody. But teenagers when we were teens versus the teens of today, is there a in a few words, can you tell us whether there you see a fundamental difference in what they're like? So in some ways, I think teenagers will be teenagers, just like people will be people. And I, I think in some ways, it's we're all dealing with the same, the, the same sort of core tasks mm-hmm. of development and the same issues about separation, individuation, creating an, you know, your own self separate from your family. And, and yet I think that's all happening in a much more polarized world is happening in a more public and sort of um, socially connected world. And so I guess I, I can't answer that question without talking about social media and the change that where everything is just more public and it's more out there and it feels more permanent. Yeah. And we thought when it all started, it was all going to be for the good. And some of it is for the good, but as we know, a lot of it is not so much. So if you were having a conversation with yourself from 2019, and you had to explain to yourself from 2019 what was like a year ago, call it. Yeah. And you had to explain to yourself what was going on. What do you think would be the most surprising thing you heard about the new world in 2020? Oh, boy. That's, that is a hard question. Yeah. I think that the, the thing that's been the most surprising, I think, is how this has how the pandemic and sort of life has altered so dramatically for everybody. Mm. I think that's been the most surprising. It's true. And it's one thing about it that's been, I I guess you could call it a silver lining is that it has kind of been a great equalizer between the haves and the have nots in that you turn on your TV and you see, I'm a fan of Stephen Colbert and he's just as unhappy as the rest of us because he he loves doing his show and he has been doing his show for the better part of eight months from his basement and he he marshals on like the rest of us. But now nobody feels bad for Stephen Colbert and all of his success, but we're all kind of bummed out about it. So uh, final question for burning questions. What are you most looking forward to doing once the pandemic is truly officially over? I am most looking forward to being able to spend time with my family and friends in the way that I want to. Yeah. And I'd say second to that is I am most looking forward to getting back into my office and being able to see people in person. Face to face. 
been grateful for technology and for the ways that we I have been able to continue to do important work and connect with people. But I am really looking forward to being in the same room. That's a good one. That is the answer we were looking for. So congratulations and thank you for playing Burning Questions. I think she did great, even though you didn't answer all of the questions, but that's kind of your job. So, so again, if you're looking for more information on Dr. Emily Gordon, you can go to dremilygordon.com. But let's talk about a little bit about what you've seen since the pandemic started, because in in a way, this is kind of the moment for the psycho- psychologists. And give us kind of an overview about the how the problems that people come to you with during this period maybe are, are different than before? Well, at the be- that's, I mean, that, that's a really great question. I think it's really important. I would say at the beginning, the problems were similar, right? At the beginning, it was a little bit, it was a lot of, a little bit, a lot of, gosh, I've been experiencing this problem, whether that's anxiety or depression, or I do a lot of work with eating disorders. This has been going on for a really long time. And now that now that I'm not in school or now that I'm home or now I have some time and let me try to deal with this. Mm. So at the beginning, it was not really new issues. It was just, let me try to address the issues that I've been having. Right. I think increasingly anxiety, isolation, <laughs> depression, worry about what the future worry about the state of our country, disruptions in our normal routine. One of the things I, I work a lot with sort of high school and college and young adults, and it, it's been so clear to me, like, how much we're just stuck and we can't think about what the future is going to bring and we don't know what it's going to bring and we have all these questions and and it's really made me realize like how much planning for the future is is sort of a normal part of our lives and Mm -hmm. it's so hard to do right now yeah it's interesting because like you say the problems that we had existed before and i think i'm reading into a little bit what you're saying but you know the I've talked to a lot of divorce lawyers and divorce therapists, and they say that at first they weren't so busy during the pandemic. Then all of a sudden they were really busy because there's kind of nowhere to hide if you've got a problem in your relationship. You mentioned that some people are worried about the state of our country. Is that truly a thing? Because I, I think in the past I would have been more blasé about it. Like I, I happen to have been raised by bleeding heart liberals. And so when Trump was elected, it was a sad day. It was, I thought, my personal opinion, just we elected a kind of mean-spirited person to lead our country. But I said to myself, like I normally do, it's not going to affect my life that much. And yet for some people, has does it really sort of creep into their soul and trouble them to the point where they need to seek advice for, from you? So I think for some people, it really does creep into their soul and it really is worrisome. And I think it's happening on both sides. Again, it's this is not about one side or the other. I mean, I, I think that people on both sides are equally concerned. It's interesting. I think the anxiety and the stresses are different. I have some older women that I work with and and, and those concerns are, there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of real worry and concern, not just about their own lives, but just about their the country mm-hmm. and and our future and democracy and those kinds of big issues. And I think younger people that I work with are also equally as sort of concerned and worried about some of the issues that are important to them, whether that's the climate, whether that's gender equality, whether it's coverage for mental health. <laughs> and I find young people equally as engaged and, and concerned about the future of things. 
So I just need to ask you, I don't know if you'll be willing to entertain this question, but being a licensed clinical psychologist, I'm sure you're familiar with narcissistic personality disorder. And I'm just wondering if our sitting president, who will only be president until January, whatever, when he's out of there, he is a fascinating take. And this election, although in some respects close, in other respects wasn't. And having seen and witnessed many presidential elections in the past, did they, they come and go and the winner goes into office and the loser concedes. And he, the, here we have the first guy who refuses to accept that he lost. Is he troubled? In a clinical sense, I ask you, Dr. Gordon. <laughs> wow, I wasn't prepared for that question. <laughs> uh, I, or, I mean, I don't mean for you to get political. I really do want your opinion as a psychologist, someone who behaves this way. Well, look, there clearly is something amiss. I think that what's sort of striking to me is the sort of lack of empathy. I, I think the rule is I'm not supposed to comment on people that I haven't evaluated myself. Oh, okay. Well. I, I, there's lots of books out there. I think that... Look, I think to myself a lot just how things might be different had we had somebody different in in his position. Mm -hmm. And I also try very hard. I am a big believer in people aren't just the way they are. They, they get to be how they are through a variety of circumstances and reasons and relationships. And so, but I guess I've chosen to focus more on the people <laughs> that I work with in my practice and the people that I can try to do something for. Sure. Um, yeah. Is there a way to treat someone who now I'm just speaking of a hypothetical person mm -hmm. who has trouble? And I imagine your job must be very interesting for many reasons, but it also must be interesting for the moment where your patient, client or person sitting across the couch from you is saying certain things that not to be true. In other words, the world's against me. I couldn't have possibly been that mean to that person. And yet in the, I, I used to be a writer and we would call this dramatic irony. It's when we know something the character's saying is wrong, but the character just doesn't realize it himself. Is there a way to, to open people's eyes in case, in cases like that? Can you train someone to be more empathetic? That's a great question. There are always, what are they? There's always two sides to the story, right? There's mm -hmm. always sort of the experience of the person sitting that I'm sitting with, and then there's the sort of experience of whatever of that other person or the other side. So I think it's always important to consider both. And yes, I think I think you certainly can can help people understand their how they're perceived and how they are responded to and how they perceive and respond to others. I'd say the most important thing, right, is somebody's willingness to do that. If you have someone who is open and willing to do that and look, it's not easy, that that's the most important thing. So if someone is open and willing to, to look at that, then yes, there are there's, there's a lot of hope there for change. I think that's what we are all trying to do. I find myself as a parent or as a friend or like, like that's always what we're working on is what's my stuff? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, what is this about for me? How does this affect other people? And, and how can we, how can we change? Right. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, I'm glad to hear you provide a message of hope because I do like to think most there's good in most people and, and it's just, you gotta, but sometimes you really gotta drill down and it can be frustrating. You talked about social media and seeing it, it, it's eye opening for me to see as many people who are on social media celebrating things like diversity and equality and progress in the country and good things. There are always some that will 
seemingly find uh, a, a negative there. And I just, I worry a little bit about these people. But then again, social media itself is, you could argue, is um, a conduit for that and the fact that it's kind of impersonal by its nature. I don't want to get off on a rant here, but to pull up a chair, everyone, uh, and grab a Snickers bar. No, I'm just kidding. So, Dr. Emily Gordon, this is all great stuff. Is your website the best way for people to learn more about you and how they can potentially make available of your services? Uh, that is the best way. Yeah, I have a, yeah. Okay. Yes, my website that you mentioned, www.emilygordon.com, is a great way to find out a little bit about me. There you go. And so... As I have two final questions before we get, we're going to play a round of good stuff where Dr. Gordon and I will just both recommend something good that you should check out during these hopefully remaining days of the pandemic. But one fun question and one serious question. The fun question is, if you had to pick a celebrity doctor that was your favorite, I'll give you three choices. Dr. Joyce Brothers, Dr. Phil, or Dr. Ruth. Or you can go off the board. Are there any of those that you admire? Tell me the choices again. Dr. Um, Joyce Brothers, who we haven't yeah. heard from in a I think she's still alive, though, isn't she? I'll have to look that up. Jimmy the intern, look up, find out whether Dr. Mm-hmm. Joyce is still alive. Dr. Phil or Dr. Ruth Westheimer? All right. So I, didn't, gonna... I didn't include Dr. Oz because I think he's a charlatan, but, you know. So I have to admit that I'm not sure I know a lot about Joyce, Dr. Joyce Brothers. If bad news, Dr. Joyce Brothers passed away in 2013. My apologies to Dr. Joyce Brothers and her uh, family. I forgot about that. She Anyway, put her, let's put her aside. So I used to watch Dr. Phil when he first came out. And one of the things that I think he did a really good job of was making psychology more understandable and accessible to um, the general population. Mm-hmm. So he was certainly a character in and of himself, but but I give him credit for bringing psychology and, and the concepts of psychology to a greater population. Yeah. Dr. Ruth is a pioneer. She <laughs> talked about things that were previously kind of off limits. And right. I'm always a champion, as people who know me will say, will, will agree with, I'm always a champion for women's rights and kind of talking about difficult things. So I got to give Dr. Ruth credit for that because she talked about difficult things that, that no one else wanted to, to bring out to the open. Yeah. She was more famous in years gone by she was, and Dr. Gordon, you stated it very tactfully. She talked about sex and she would be, she would be very detailed. Sometimes she was a sex therapist. She's still alive, by the way. Dr. Yes. Dr. Ruth is 92 years old. Good on you, Dr. Ruth. And I like Dr. Phil too. I, I think he's, he talks about really serious things, but at the end of the day, he doesn't actually take himself that seriously. I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel the other day and Jimmy Kimmel ribs him mercilessly and he took it well. Finally, Dr. Gordon, tell me, why you like what you do? Oh, I like, I love what I do. Generally, I really, I respect, I, I like the people that I, that, that come to me. I think that I really be, enjoy being able to make a connection, being able to find meaning in that connection and being able to kind of offer my expertise. There's a saying that, that I, as a doctor, I'm sort of the expert in the subject matter and that the person coming to me is the expert in themselves and kind of together, I think that we can create the change that, that people are looking for. That's excellent. And I take it you continue to be busy and you just need to do, you, I didn't ask you this specifically before, but you're just doing everything virtually. Is that right? I'm, I'm pretty busy and I'm doing everything virtually. Yeah. 
Well, very cool. Again, it's Dr. Emily Gordon. Go to dremilygordon.com to find out more information about the good doctor. And we're going to play a round of good stuff in the time remaining. But before we get there, let me take one brief moment to tell you about what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Do you want your own podcast? You can start one up right from the comfort of your home or here in our Westwood studios. But you pick what is more comfortable for you. Most people doing podcasts remotely. We've been producing them that way for years. We'll send you out a quality USB microphone for you to get started. It's a great way to connect with your network, your clients, your friends, your partners, whatever it may be, you invite them as a guest on your show and they're amazed. It's a great way for them to market themselves and you for mark to market your professional services or business. Pod617.com is where you go. The Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust. All right, let's play a quick round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Emily, you've had all of 17 minutes to come up with a, an entry for good stuff, but what did you come up with? What did I come up with? I came up with two things. Oh, um, no, bonus. The, the first thing is kind of related to um, the t- subject, the subject matter at hand. I am plugging the mindfulness meditation apps that I've been using. Oh, cool. Calm, Calm um, Headspace, Insight Timer. There's lots of them out there, but but I've been finding those things really useful. I've also been really enjoying the Libby program through through my public library, where I get to download um, oh. all of my books that I want to read seamlessly to my iPad. And I guess my last good stuff plug is the Sienna Farms farm. I'm sure that I've been doing with some supporting local businesses, getting healthy produce and awesome recipes uh, for kids. Sienna Farms, that is the name of the company that kind of runs this service? That is the name of the one that I do, but there's okay. lots of them out there. It's called the CSA, a Community Supported Agriculture some of them deliver, some of them will, you go pick it up, but you pick your box of veggies. And I did a fruit and corn share this summer and it was just fun to. Cool. Yeah. I'm just looking at it online. It is SiennaFarms.com. That's Sienna with one N farms.com. 16 years of operation, protected farmland in Sudbury and Concord, growing over 100 varieties of vegetables. I could never name 100 varieties of vegetables if you force <laughs> me, me to. And sometimes I get ones that I've never heard of, but. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I like yeah. that. All right. Well, th- you already, there's no way I could outdo you because you came up with three good suggestions for good stuff, but. And they were all very sort of high-minded and cultured. And here I am recommending a TV show, which is what I normally do. But the, but you treat teenagers, uh, Dr. Gordon, and a, there's a great TV show on Netflix, which is about a teenager and a kind of coming-of-age story of uh, a woman who is a chess prodigy. And it, you've probably heard of it, but if you haven't, I'm going to give you my review right now after we listen to just a little bit of the trailer of The Queen's Gambit from Netflix. Let's take a listen. Men are going to come along and want to teach you things. Doesn't make them any smarter. You just let them blow by, and you go on ahead and do just what and how you feel like. Someday you're going to be all alone. So you need to figure out how to take care of yourself. Tell the readers of life how it feels to be a girl. Among all those men. I don't mind it. Chess isn't always competitive. Chess can also be beautiful. You're an orphan, Beth. I'm fine being alone. 
I feel safe in an entire world of just 64 squares. Well, creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand. Or for that matter. Genius and madness. So... You probably get the point, or at least you get a flavor of what's going on there. So the the premise is that our heroine is introduced to us as a young girl who, and no spoilers here, it's the premise of the show. Her parents both pass away tra- and tragically, and she becomes an orphan, and just kind of looking for something to cling to, she eventually finds that she loves chess. I kept researching whether this is a true story because it seems like it could be, but I guess it was, I guess it wasn't. It's from a novel, but it's it's wonderful. The there's one actress who plays her when she's a, a young person, and then then there's an actress that takes over. and I looked it up. The actress is 24 years old. I think she starts portraying the character when she's 14. She does have a youth, youthful look, but she is amazing. And the the show. You haven't checked this out yet, have you, Dr. Gordon? I've heard about it, but yeah. I have not seen it. Well, it's. I think you'll especially like it because it, at first it's. It start. You think it's the typical story, just about a chess prodigy, which it is. But it's also about. It's about relationships. It's about her coming of age as a woman and and learning things kind of the hard way. And then it's also about addiction, which I won't even tell you why, but there's a a through line there about substance abuse. And in some cases when drugs can really help you see the world the way you should. So, and it's, it's on Netflix. I'm like three or four episodes in and it's really good. So there you go. Thumbs up for me. We check it out so we can talk about it the next time. I will check okay. it out. That sounds really interesting. <laughs> All right. Once again, thanks for being a good sport, Dr. Emily Gordon. I hope you had a good time. I yes? did. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. For uh, one final time, I'll plug our website, DrEmilyGordon.com. That's DrEmilyGordon.com. Thank you for joining us. And if you want your own podcast, go to Pod617.com to get started. If you like this podcast, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. On behalf of my new BFF, Dr. Emily Gordon, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.